everybody welcome back to my stuff this is chris chipman aka the chippa i'm doing a movie review for salem horror fest 2023 which happened in april this year um why you're hearing this in may instead of april is life kind of fucking exploded on me i'm not going to go into too many details but i lost a very very close family member in a very very horrific car accident And um, I'll probably talk more in the future about that, but it really fucked me up. But um, luckily, Salem Horror Fest are great to me. They gave me access to some movies, and this is the one that I was the most excited to watch. And I've seen it three times prior to doing this review. And because sometimes me just talking into the cloud is too boring for me, and maybe too boring for you, I'm joined by one of my very, very best friends, Seth Decker from the West Coast. Seth, say hi. Hi, I'm the Andy Richter to the Conan O'Brien opposite me here. Yes, indeed. (laughs) And just to make it more interesting, Seth has not seen this film, which I feel makes this a lot more fun because he might be able to hear what I say and add subtext that then after seeing it, we might be able to chat again and he might be able to talk even more. Um, Also, it helps me avoid super, super spoilery territory because this movie is not super out there and available for all of you yet. But I will say spoiler alert because it's going to be hard to talk about it without at least spoiling some things about the plot, but I'm going to try to not give away everything because this is definitely a movie that needs to be seen. Mm. Um, Low budget filmmaking should be seen, seen by you paid for by you. So these people can keep making fucking movies. Um, (laughs) Another really cool thing is about a year ago, Seth and I were making a movie and crowdfunding it at the same time they were crowdfunding this film. So, um, It was kind of cool to see something come together while we were trying to do the same thing. Um, This movie, of course, is Saint Drogo. It is from the makers of Death Drop Gorgeous, which played at Salem Horror Fest two years ago, I believe. I got to see that then. Um, It's directed by Michael J. Ahern, Ryan Miller, and Brandon Peras, and written by Michael J. Ahern and Brandon Peras, who also star as our leads in the film. Um, Before I get too, too much into it, if you haven't seen Death Drop Gorgeous, I believe it's still available on Shutter which is a really freaking cool thing that we Mm -hmm. went from people could release a movie at a film festival on the East coast that 500 people see, and then no one ever sees it again to you got a deal and you're on shutter. How cool is that? That's amazing. Right. That that's what I hope for, for everything that we make in the future. But to see see a movie that I saw as a screener at a film festival, then on shutter. And now I own it. Um, And I can't wait to own a copy of St. Drogo. So for anybody listening to this, that's seen, death drop gorgeous and wants to know hey um what do i expect from this total hey, chippa what could i expect from saint drogo now a that one... i've seen death drop gorgeous a 180 degree difference in Whoa. type in type of film cinematic style and gore approach to gore approach to horror um death drop gorgeous for those that have or haven't seen it is a campy over the top um love letter to Oh God, you name it, but um, um, the uh, pink, underground pink flamingos in there, pink flamingos, <laughs> underground horror and camp cinema of the seventies, eighties, and nineties. I'm really, really surprised. Um, what's his name isn't in it. 
the director of Pink Flamingos there. Oh, yeah, John Waters. John Waters. But I believe he got to meet them. I think John Waters was the uh, um, uh, guest of guest that year at Salem Horror Fest, which is oh, really that's cool. awesome. That's so um, cool. And this year it was uh, Tony Todd. Oh, which would have been really cool to see in person. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, anyone listening to this that for some reason is listening to my show and thinks that being anti-gay, anti-trans, anti-anything like that is okay. Sorry, we're going to talk about a lot of shit you're not going to like to hear. There's dicks in these movies, Seth. That's there's so dicks, fun. There's dicks and mouths in these movies. Man's mouths, Seth. Whoa. Oh, no. What? Um, actually, one of my favorite deaths in Death Drop Gorgeous is a glory hole in a meat grinder. Um, <laughs> and it's wonderful. Um, but we're not here to talk about Death Drop Gorgeous so much as we're here to talk about St. Drogo, which, while I said Ahern and Paras are the writer and director and stars, everyone that showed up mostly in Death Drop Gorgeous, because Death Drop Gorgeous was filmed in the underground drag and gay club scene in Providence, Rhode Island, show up as characters in this film one way or another. That's but so we've taken it out of Providence and moved it to the wintertime off-season of Provincetown, Cape Cod. And, oh shit, if you've never been to a New England seaside town off-season, they're scary as fuck. Because <laughs> everybody's gone except for the locals, and the locals that are still there are weird. You know, the townies, as it were. But now I move this to P-Town. So not only is it just the local townies that are there, but it's the local townies who get all of their money mm. and all of their, um, well, not all of, but a vast majority for those listening to this that aren't from New England that don't know about P-Town. P-Town is basically the San Francisco of Massachusetts. P-Town is where all of the counterculture, all of the gay LGBTQ, all of those people go and hang okay. out. Okay. And it's just a regular old Cape Cod fishing town that in the summertime is filled with all of those wonderful people. And they make it into this great big pride festival for three months. That's so and fun. It's awesome. It's a great place to go, but take a place like that and add a horror movie subtext about, okay, what goes on in the off season? Mm. What goes on when you don't have that money and those people anymore? Yeah. And then you, you take a movie and create this story about exclusion from your own culture, racism and hatred within your own culture. Mm. Why aren't you like the rest of us? Why are you different? We're all the same. Now we all drink the same drinks. We all dress the same way. It, just with that kind of stuff, it harkens back to the Rosemary's Babies, the, yeah. well, why aren't you, why aren't you Catholic enough? You know, <laughs> why aren't you this? And they take that and they spin that on the, you know, nowadays gay culture clashing with your, you know, mother's, father's, more, un, more, less out in the open, you know, sure. less spoken about culture and why, you know, a, a couple, our couple in this movie who I'll get to being an artsy you know, all like tattooed, you know, just wants to be like a free spirit running around, can't really fit with the boyfriend, 
who everyone around him is telling him, no, you should want stability and you should want to, you know, we should all go out and eat at the same high class restaurants and drink the same expensive coffee and do this because it's what's expected of us. And he just wants to be different and how that turns into an almost midsummer level of fucked up breakup movie, <laughs> which is what we end up here with um, St. Drogo. But before I get into the story of the film, I don't know how much of this plays in, but St. Drogo was a real saint. So okay. let's talk about St. Drogo. Sure. Drogo of Saborg was from born in March 14th, 1105, died April 16th, 1186. He was 81 years old. Also known as Druon, Druex, or Drogon, which is already really, really cool names. A Flemish saint. He was born in Ipony. County of Etreus in the French part of the country of Flanders and died in Seaborg, France. He was known as the patron saint of shepherds and coffee. Not kidding. And his feast day is on April 16th. What's great is as they start meeting people in the town, everyone's offering them coffee, which I thought was a really, really like, and weird teas that every time they don't drink it, it's immediately dumped away. Never explained, but like, it's going to do something fucked up to them. Yeah. It's, it's really weird stuff. Um, let's talk about St. Drogo. He was born to a noble family in Ipany. He was a posthumous child. His father having died before he was born, his mother died in childbirth. Wow. Both of those things suck. Leaving the newborn an orphan, he was raised by relatives at the age of 10. He learned the circumstances of his birth and grieved. Grieved and grieved and grieved. At 20 years of age, after grieving for 10 fucking years, he distributed his money and goods amongst the poor and renounced his estates in favor of their next heirs to live a life of poverty and penance. He set out, having visited several holy places, hired himself shepherd to a wealthy woman named Elizabeth, um, De La Hare at Seaborg, two leagues from the Valencianists. The retirement and solitude were most agreeable to him on account of the opportunities they made up for prayer. Six years Drogo kept sheep, busying himself with practices of prayer and penance. He was a skilled shepherd who could read the weather and knew how to cure animals of their ills. He shared these skills with others despite his relative obscurity, his charity, the spirit of devotion and prayer gained him the esteem and affection of everybody, particularly Elizabeth. Many made him presents, but these he bestowed on the plower. It was rumored that he had the gift of bilocation and would be seen in the fields in the church simultaneously. This gave rise to a common adage among the rural folk of the region. I'm not St. Drogo. I can't ring the church bell for mass and be in the procession. <laughs> this weird like duality plays out a lot in the movie. Oh, um, interesting. Pretty interesting to avoid the danger of praise and admiration. At length, he left his place and went on pilgrimages. He is said to have journeyed to Rome nine times, as well as visiting the main shrines of France and Italy en route. From time to time, he retur- returned to Seaborg. At length, a hernia put an end to his pilgrimages. He built himself a small cell against the wall of the church. The cell had a window for limited contact to receive food and water passed through by those seeking prayers and counsel. A second window opened into the church so he could follow the services. Here he lived as an anchorite in the space of 45 years. So he was almost in full solitude for 45 years. He died A.D. 1186 at the age of 81. Okay, so 
where that plays into a lot. We do meet a character named St. Drogo in the film. I will not say when or how or why, but St. Drogo is apparently worshipped by this group of people. I believe they're playing on, this is one of his pilgrimages. There's words in here that say the hernia and other things he might have been disfigured. They say he's the patron saint of ugly people or disfigured people. That plays... That plays into a lot of the eat from me, drink from me, take of me. They do a lot of that kind of stuff in the movie. Um, But we'll just get St. Drogo's a weirdo and St. Drogo goes to groups of people and kind of takes over and plays like a dual role of shepherd, but also meddles and messes with. And there's there's a weird sort of um, uh, almost like a Borg kind of thing i feel like a one of us you know kind of thing going on that i can't decide if it's a good thing or a bad thing and the movie leaves me not knowing if saint drogo's presence and what's going on in p-town in this movie is a positive or a negative very similar to how things end up in midsummer right is midsummer a happy film i mean i don't i don't think it's uh, I, no, I don't. I don't. Think right. So. <laughs> I can't decide. It's it's like the hardest thing because I, I feel as though I feel as though like and, and again, it, I want to talk about that because you you and it, it, I, I know are in, in a polycule, right? Yeah. And, and so 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 something in St. Drogo and something in particularly in gay culture which I, I know a lot from having lots of friends. I've always been a shit. I don't have time to like, you know, I, I, I give myself lovingly to my friends, but to that level, I, I, my brain can only really think of sharing that with one person. Sure. That's no finger point to anyone else. But when I see a movie where it's shown people sharing themselves with multiple people, I immediately go to that's bad. But then I'm watching uh, yeah, yeah. St. Drogo and going, no, it's not bad till it is. Right. It's not bad till it's toxic. It's not bad because at first it's like, no, these two guys, this is cool. You know, you come into town, you party with another dude. It's all consensual. Everyone's having a good time. But in my mind, the first time through, I'm like in this midsummer thing of, well, this is bad. Yeah. I'm like, this means their relationship isn't good. And then I'm like, no, no. That's yeah. it's it's only bad once they start being taken advantage of. Oh yeah, that's and, such an interesting like uh interpersonal character dynamic to work off of. Right, cuz cuz to me it's like, you know, when you watch the other 99% of horror films involving couples, one thing that tells you a character is bad is if there's a scene where they're cheating on someone. Right. You know what I mean? And and in this film, it's not necessarily bad. It, yeah, it, it, it's playing against your any kind of like n- tendencies towards normalcy, right? And, then, and, and makes you question like the have these people asked the ethical question around what's happening, right? Because because in and, and it's it's a it's it's a wonderful question to open up because it's cultural. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and and I don't even mean that gay, straight, whatever. It's cultural in that I just don't know a different way. Sure. So I bring that all to the table, and I remember texting with. Brandon Paris and going the first time through, I'm like, well, these guys relationship is completely fucked up. Now there's other notes to that. Every time it shows them waking up in the morning together, they're not near each other. They're turned away from each other. There's Uh, other shit going on that tells you that when they show them wake up after their little tryst with this guy in P town, the one of the guys in the couple, the one that isn't having the fucked up dreams 
is cuddling this guy and everything's cool and he's turned away. So there's uh-huh. a there's a separation like this, but but um it's it's not the way my brain immediately went to, oh, this is bad because they're enjoying the love of somebody else is not why it's bad. It's yeah. bad because there's other shit going on. Mm. And I, I thought that was really fucking cool. Um, I will read you their synopsis. Okay. St. Drogo is a supernatural slow burn thematically inspired by 70s horror like Rosemary's Baby and Wicker Man. Ooh. A, a gay couple whose relationship has grown a bit strained take an impromptu trip to Provincetown, Cape Cod in the off-season. Caleb, one half of the couple who's played by um, Brendan Paris, who wrote and directed the film, mm. um, has been plagued by nightmares of his ex, who has been working in Provincetown for the summer. When they arrive in town, it appears Caleb's ex has gone missing. As disturbing hallucinations continue to haunt Caleb, he becomes more determined in finding him. But the closer he gets, the sooner he nears the sinister secret the town is hiding. So, pretty straightforward description. What I love, 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 love is the movie is bookended by two... To call them Tom Savini level gore effects would mm. almost be giving them that it looks like it, it looks like they paid multi millions of dollars for these gore wow. effects. They're practical effects. The they're in broad daylight. The camera is up fucking close and does not pull away. And they are not goofy. It's not like wow. Sam Raimi, you know, style, like, let's have fun. It is meant to be as horrific as it possibly could be. Damn, that, that's, they, that's getting and, me interested. And, and they nail it, and the first one is all dream sequence, and the final one is very final. <laughs> let's just say. Um, and, and, it, uh, and other than that, the movie is just, it's just a mystery. So, so what happens is, like I said, they go to P-Town. They're looking for this guy's missing ex. He's having dreams of awful things happening to this guy. He doesn't understand why. All of the locals that are left all seem to have seen him. But, ah, mm. uh, no, you know, once it gets to be about this time of year, if you don't know where he is, he's gone, dude. The cops aren't even going to come here. You know what I mean? He's two towns away. He probably died. He's probably out to sea. He probably got on drugs. He probably went. They're all so dismissive, but they're dismissive in that wicker man kind of way where to the two characters, one person hears, well, that's an open and shut case. Your idiotic ex just did something stupid and got what he deserved. Let's get out of here. And the other guy sees the wink in their words of, but, but look further, but look further. Come on. He, Mm. he catches it. So, Weird shit starts happening. They they meet a lot of locals that all seem dismissive, but also really interested. They meet this one guy that's like, yeah, you know, no, we'll look for your buddy, but do these weird drugs with me you've never heard of before and come to this party. Right. You know okay. what I mean? And, and let, do that weird drug with me again. Come on. And then what is the weird drug? Oh, no, it, 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 it's something awesome. It's new. Don't worry about it. What the weird drug ends up being is... um extraordinarily tied to whatever St. Drogo is and cults and all that other fun kind of stuff that ends up happening. Um, But it just gets creepier and creepier and creepier. And their relationship gets more strained and more strained and more strained. He keeps seeing the X in places and then doesn't. Um, 
really weird stuff happens during because again this is a rosemary's baby kind of thing so we have fucked up sex scenes that turn into horrifying gore things for no reason that then the guy wakes up from he keeps seeing people in cloaks running around and hiding you know the the, the standard kind of satanic panic kind of stuff right but, but all very different and it's all fucking gorgeous the nighttime shots i mean you've you've been to new england now you, yeah, you get yeah but the Cape, the emptiness of Provincetown on the Cape, they got spot on. Damn. And all of the characters they meet that like almost feel like a Blair Witch Project E, almost like found footage interview kind of thing, all show up again Whoa. for a big climatic thing, and they all have something to do with it. And it's and it's it's a very different all have something to do with it because they all don't seem into it, but they're all kind of in a well. We get who we get for the summertime that keeps us fed, but we get this for the winter. And if we don't let this be here for the winter, we don't get the summer. So it's uh. like this weird, like, okay, some blood has to be shed to feed the evil thing. So yeah. we can keep going. And it all at, ends up at you. you I think in, on Film Rescue, you guys recently did this. Do you remember how imperfect, but the through line of ideas in the two matrix sequels were so cool, even though the movies were imperfect. Sure. No. Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember when the Oracle and the, what was his name? The, the engineer who, the, the guy that the, the Colonel Sanders came up. Yeah, with yeah. Um, when they have their big the architect, when they have their big, um, we're going to, we're going to throw them in and have them have a quick conversation with each other, basically as God and the devil. Yeah. And we're going to have them have this conversation because if we don't, no one's going to know what the fuck was going on. This movie does a thing like that, but it's so well written and acted. It's almost unnecessary until it is because, because the movie, the movie ends and I'm not going to say in whose favor or what goes on, but the movie ends and you can take all the subtext you want whatever surface level or how deep you go with what it means about the, the, the gay culture in Provincetown or any culture or any relationship and how Mm. we kind of get excommunicated from our own thing. If it becomes too commercial and too capitalistic, it's, it's got so much to say, but then they have this conversation, which is then overlaid with shots of the people we just saw do awful shit back at their normal lives, almost like infinity pool. Like we were talking yeah, about. And yeah. I kind of sat there and went, shit, is this movie a happy ending? Fuck. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, like, like was the character I'm supposed to feel bad for. It'd be like, if you got to the end of the wicker man and went, so their crops are going to be fine. Right. So this is all good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, it, it's one of those kind of things where I went, Holy shit, you you literally made me change my mind about what I thought was going on, and I can't mm. decide. And for a movie made by people our age, you know, that are just making low-budget horror, out of that descrip- description, and, and I, I can't wait to have Brandon on, because I know he said, yeah, I read about this dude, St. Drogo, and this movie just popped into my head. Mm. What? <laughs> you know what I mean? Where does that come from? 
It's but, got flavors of hot fuzz almost in there. Yes, yes, it really does. Like just the, just from the description you're getting. The secret yeah. society hanging out in the background, and oh no, these are your buddies, but they're still in it, but they really don't know they are. Right. And it's and everyone in the town. Oh yeah, I'll get that guy to fix your car. Oh yeah, your car's fixed. Just just come in the other room and drink this tea. You know yeah. what I mean? And then we'll get it, it's 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 really fucking intense. And it was funny when they were doing their crowdfunding thing. They got this like beautiful manor down in P Town to film in. And the joke was always if they only knew what the hell we were filming in this thing, because it's basically like they basically filmed the the what what you thought was happening in Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> you, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. It, and it's like like and they they go hard. I mean, it's it's both in creepy imagery and just in no, this is this is what you know a fuck cult would look like, you know, at this point right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, but it, I'm blown away by how true to themselves and the culture they're representing they're being, but still making straight up fucking awesome genre horror. Yeah. yeah you yeah, know, yeah. and, and Kay Lynch, Salem horror fest executive produced this. Kay Lynch is a, is a trans woman. Right. And right. she's got her stamp all over this damn thing. And I am so proud that I got to see it. And I want to know what you're like, like, what, what are you picturing? Like thinking about this thing as a joke. I used to joke with my brother when him and I first started doing our podcast, um, the Chipman brothers tangent. And he would see movies like weeks before me, he'd yeah. talk about them. And the joke was, Oh, it's like in uh, and this pissed him off. Cause he hated Tusk so much. And I'm <laughs> like, it's, it's the Nazi party. You know what I mean? I haven't <laughs> seen it. Um, but you know, like, does this make you want to see it? No, yeah, this description is it's it's giving uh, it it, it's making me think of so many films that I've seen over the last like five years where this cult idea is really interesting and hot right now. But not everybody's investigating it into the like that depth where it's giving you like big movie payoff to these ideas. I think sometimes we get trapped in, in trying to keep things too human and forget like these are movies they need to. These are they, they should pay off big in some way. Yes. And so this this sounds like somebody that's been watching, you know, movies as they've been coming out and and maybe not going far enough with the topic material. It feels like it's a reaction to that and going like, no, this is a cool idea. Let's go hard with this real quick. Well, and and this would be the kind of thing, right? There's there's at least three zinger scenes in this, right? Yeah. That are the kind of thing that you'd walk by in the eighties with your friends at a video store and go, we got to watch St. Drogo. And they go, why? And it would be the same way you tell someone, you got to see the wicker man. Why? Cause you got to meet the wicker man. Right. And you get through the rest of the movie and hopefully you like the rest of the movie cause it's so damn good. But yeah. the wicker man is such a big payoff in the wicker man. And let's just say getting to, Getting to the payoff of St. Drogo in St. Drogo, whatever that may be, is so goddamn horrific and so beautifully and heartbreakingly shot. It's very similar to how things go down in uh, in The Wicker Man and in um, Midsommar yeah. in that a character is in a scenario where they know they're not getting out. Now they know exactly what's going to happen. And the movie makes you sit there and listen to characters, explain why this is happening to them. And then they make it happen to them. And it is, well, I'll, I'll say it goes harder 
than Midsommar because Midsommar just burned a guy. Granted, mm. they did that he was alive during it and all of that. No, this this is more like um this is more like what happened to William Wallace in Braveheart. Mm. Um <laughs> but 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 all on screen. Yeah and, and yeah. holy shit. And without real mention or explanation as to why or what it means. And I love movies like that where it's it's all in what you read into it and what you take away. And they really just nailed the tone. And again, I, I really, anyone that is hearing this and hasn't seen it, seek it out. Cause it's going to be playing the, I believe a couple weeks from this, from this uh, recording, it's going to be playing at P town at the library. Oh, They're wow. having, not P town. Sorry. At Providence. They're having a big screening of it. It, it was the big screener at Salem horror fest. I'm sure it'll be on shutter and get a big release like Death Drop. I can't, I can't but, wait for that. But the other brilliance is to watch Death Drop and watch this and just watch a group of people that you know love film, love horror movies, love the culture they come from and represent, but also hate it a little bit too. Yeah. Because like, there's a very punk rock thing going on in both of these movies that's like, right. a, you know, we love it, but we fucking hate it. You know right. what I mean? Um, So brilliantly... Uh, Early on in the movie, I told you there's a lot of stuff between Caleb and Adrian that just shows that they're different. But, like, four friends go out to dinner. Caleb, who's the one that is the stories about and has something weird going on, they're all drinking the same drink. And it's like, a you know, a frilly, like, you know, um, beardo, you know, perfectly made with a husk of orange hipster, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then... Caleb just has like a normal thing and it's very obvious. Like, you know, he's not even whole, he's just like kind of pounding it and whatever. Yeah. And they're like, well, what would you like to eat? And Caleb, he returns to Adrian and goes, I think the $42 piece of lasagna sounds good. You know, so there, and I'm <laughs> like, all right, this is very pointed, but I can't tell if it's pointed at it out of detestment or acceptance. It's a weird duality there, right? Because it's you can, like you can be in awe of something that is not great, right? It, it you can still be in awe of something being that not good. <laughs> well, it's it's you know, and you you can play to like many levels, right? Like I, I you know, I I learn a lot about myself every day. I've, I've said this on podcasts and things the other day. I I guess I'm a, I'm a straight white guy as of right now, but I can't really say that I am because I've just I know what I have and what I've done in my life so far. Mm. I've told people before. If my wife told me tomorrow, I'm I'm a guy and I'm going to become a guy. She's still that's it. So what? We're still married. Doesn't matter to yeah. me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like so. so All but, right, hubby. <laughs> no, no. Seriously, it doesn't because she's the person I love. It doesn't matter at this point. But when you talk about things in a culture, they've had to fight for so much. And we've seen them. We've, we've stood with them. We've been part of it. You know, I like yeah. it, to be able to make a movie that's in looking at what they've earned from that, the good part of it, like everything that happens down in P town, but also be able to go, yeah, but some of it's not good. Right. You know what I mean? And, and still be able to write a story about that. It's kind of like a, you or I, you know, and it can be a positive or a negative. It's like liking a band and then everyone loves them. And then you go, I don't really like what they are anymore, but take <laughs> that, but take that and turn that into a horror film with a cult involved. And there really being something there. And is it a good thing or a bad thing? And what is the consequence for you not conforming? Mm. And, and like, well, shit, should there really be a consequence like that? Sure. And it, it's, it's brilliant. Um, 
and, and I don't know if I have, I'll circle around over and over again, but you know, whereas death drop gorgeous is drag Queens are funny. And what if we made a slasher movie with drag Queens to we're going to make a deep dive 1970s satanic panic cult movie with a saint. No one's ever heard of and set it in P town in the off season. Oh, Seth's flying away on me. <laughs> I'm still here. I'm, I'm was trying to move myself uh, a little bit closer if, since we're recording, I'm realizing I have like the equipment to to tripod myself up. No, it's so. cool. It's cool. But that's 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 basically all I've got about Saint Drogo. I'm trying to think of other movies it makes me think of. But Hot Fuzz was a great one. It, take out the humor. There's no humor yeah, in this. Really. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's which like, which uh, surprised me because Death Drop is so goddamn funny, right? To see these guys who I expect to make jokes being ultra serious was was a hard take, and they nailed it. Mm. You know. No, yeah, I, I, I think to, to to harken back to what you were talking about with the lessons we kind of learned through our project, I think some something that you can learn making your first movie is you're just allowed to do this. Like literally, no one's going to there. There's no big ceremony where you get told like, "Hey, you officially get to make movies now." You're just allowed to go do it. And once you give yourself that permission for the first one, then it's a beeline for like what the next best thing could be. And that's that's how I felt after hours, like walking on a set the first day at the uh, at the garage and going like, wow, I just gave myself permission to be here. And and that enabled all these other people to be here. And and now it, like looking back i go every lesson i learned there i could take to every next set and i would do the same thing i would also go from our kind of you know kitschy stoner comedy killer movie and then the next one do something deep and poignant and like uh self-directed inward like that sounds like a, the journey of a filmmaker i want to watch people that that are are so honest with their work that they're willing to portray the bad with the good. That tells me that they're gonna also learn all the lessons behind the camera and and improve along the way. And that's exciting to watch. That's filmmakers who are doing a journey within themselves. I I love that. And and that's why I can't wait. You know. And I but before we recorded, these guys. I love seeing them all show up in each of the movies. I can't decide if they're more like a broken lizard. Or more like a view askew because Broken Lizard, not that I don't love those guys, but they're pretty one note. Like we want to do improv comedy and that's what we want to do. And we want to stick ourselves in different genres, but that's what they want to do. Right. This is more of like a view askew, like Kevin Smith and his buddies, like kind of thing. Like they're just bringing them all along for the ride. Oh, yeah. But, but well, they, and, and you and I know how that works, too, right? You yeah. get with actors and suddenly you see aspects of that actor that you want to see but pulled out in other areas i don't think i've ever and again i don't know if it's it's just where i am as a film viewer or a filmmaker or a film critiquer or whatever it is but i've never seen two movies back to back where i just went oh it's that guy it's 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 the main character from death drop gorgeous as punk rock kid number two in this scene and i'm so happy to see him right now right right But these guys have only made two movies you know what i mean and and i think that's it could be where i am but it also could be that the these guys know how to put themselves mm -hmm. on film they know how to show you i think their their drive and their care for like you you can film a movie in Lynn, Massachusetts, right? And yeah. not have it be Lynn. Right? You can film a movie in 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 
the middle of nowhere in the Midwest and have it have no personality at all. Or you can be like the guys that made Napoleon Dynamite and have you watch that and go, holy shit, even though that movie's dumb as a bag of rocks, it exudes these guys' life. Like, they put their life on camera. You can feel it. And that's, that's what I feel both of these movies did, is they... You don't ever have to have gone to Provincetown to now know that if you go there, it's both going to be the coolest place. And as soon as it's dark outside and there's no one around, it's going to scare the fuck out of you. And you don't know why. And these guys put that on film. That's so funny. That's so cool. And it's just awesome. And I can't wait for more people to see it. And Mike, Brandon, all you guys, Monster Makeup LLC. Yes. These guys are all awesome. Um, I highly recommend watching everything they do. Um, I want to speak directly to them and say I loved your movie and I can't wait to talk to you guys in person again because I had a blast talking about Death Drop and I was glad to bring Seth along for the ride because this would have been five minutes of me gushing over a movie and no other exposition. Listen, I'm here to cheer on any other filmmakers that are hitting record on that camera and getting it out somewhere. You know what I mean? Like I, I, this, uh, no, no more perfectionism in the film industry, right? We just need to to get our stuff out there now because everyone's got something cool to talk about like this. I love it. Seth, thank you for coming along for the ride. Thank you for the folks at Monster Makeup LLC and Salem Horror Fest for letting me check out this movie early. I haven't put anything up for a while, so if you are hearing me for the first time or haven't heard me in a bit, I am still alive. I do exist. Maybe <laughs> hit, Maybe hit me up on Patreon. It keeps me making these things. But if not, I'm glad you're listening. And um, on to the next one. Bye, everybody.